right, you bunch of yahoos. Strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. I'm going to let you in on a little inside secret of Dan Severn's MMA career. It's they're, the not allowed, they're, they're not allowed. Uh, did you hear me? Okay, you you're not allowed. I I, I always I have to always say it before Mr. Fry gets his headset on there because you know I'm sure to take a, a jab or two here <laughs> in a process. I'll, I'll wait. I'll pause a moment there. Okay, Earth to Don, are you there? Earth to Don. Yeah, yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. All right, because I want to make sure that you hear this. So this that okay. you understand this that, but all through my MMA career, the final week or two prior to a match, I would be putting multiple applications of like baby lotion stuff like that on my face so that you know you come the day of, of the fight you walk in and you can't put stuff on your face but let's face it it's in your skin it's, it's in your pores and as your body heats up your face is like smooth like glass and i actually think that it helped i think it helped to slide a few punches off I always, I always use bag bomb, you know the the other the other bomb. Uh, well, yeah, again, well, again, to explain to, to to listeners what, what I mean, I I know what what bag bomb is, but uh, most people are not going to know what bag bomb is. You lost yeah, me on that one. Bag bomb it comes in a little green can. You can get it at um, the drugstore stuff, but it's for well, drugstore. But Cal- typically, Cal- you would, t- typically you would find this at like a fa- family farm or fleet, more like a, an agricultural type store that has tractor supplies into that nature that you'll find, you know, bag bomb. And like like Don said. It's to apply on cows, udders, which most city folk don't even know what an udder is. It's a cow's tent. Okay, a cow's tent. I'm a San Diego boy. I don't think we had any cows roaming around anywhere. Yes. Well, okay, well, here, here, you you enjoy this little story because the coming of age, you're you're, you're in that, 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 uh, you know, that teenage uh, coming of age time, and then it's kind of like going, well, you know, you're starting to date other girls, you're, you're becoming aware of girls, stuff like this, and, and girls are starting to blossom and, and bud some boobies and things of that nature, and then it's kind of like, you know, you, you, the buddy stuff like that, you're talking to each other, it's like, are you getting the first base and stuff like that, cop in the field or something like that, and then, then my buddies are talking to me, so they're like, going, well, go, what? like, well, what's first base? Like, they're like, you know, you, you, you felt a, a female's breast. I go, oh, hell, I, I felt fe- female's breasts for the last decade. They're like going, what? I go, well, granted, she's got she's got four nipples, but you know, you know. <laughs> I got them, man. I'll, I'll touch them. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like going, I, I don't think well, people are really care the way it hit the fight. You got clip it off at the top, and then you got to run the fingers down so you, you run the milk right on it. That's the old technique. Cut off at the top, run it down to you get the squirt, 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 squirt. It works the same. Yeah, probably one of the reasons why I had such a good grip there early on. In my amateur wrestling career. <laughs> now, Don had a pretty good grip there, too, but it wasn't because he was milking cows. <laughs> oh. Because I, I was milking women. I figured I'd better jump on that one before you jump. You, you throw a hand grenade in my direction. Yeah. <laughs> I was already. The whole podcast. We're, I was we missing just look for different women. opportunities. Oh, you were milking, milking cows. I was grabbing women's tits. <laughs> okay. So. Are we going to actually talk about something more serious here yet? Or are we just going to keep just going to do this little bantering around here? I mean, we got Doug Wheeler here right now. And that's in the, the surgical supplies. 
what exactly do, when when you talk about surgical spice what are you talking about there yeah it's it's a pretty unknown field of work i guess one might say not many people really know what goes on when you're going in to get let's say spine or orthopedic surgery um but one important part of that team is the you know surgical consultant from the let's say per se industry side somebody that's more of a tool expert because you know if you're looking at you know in uh, spine surgery is probably what i had the most amount of experience in uh burn surgery was also uh quite an experience as well but we can get to that later um but you know let's say for any you know small lumbar let's say a worst case scenario you're getting a lumbar fusion there might be two three hundred unique instruments that are involved with getting that surgery to completion and it's it's paramount to have somebody that's an expert on the tool side of things you have the okay. surgeon that's obviously the expert in what's going on with the human body relating to the patient what their experience has been what what got them to the operating table that day but, you know, you're going to also have a number of support staff, whether or not it's, you know, a, a physician assistant or a first assist that's helping out with certain instruments throughout the surgery. But again, when you're talking about a couple hundred unique screwdrivers that might be used for, you know, unique um, instruments that might be used for any one surgery, you need somebody that's an expert there. And uh, my group, Olympic Surgical, uh, spans a lot of different specialties. And the real opportune point that we have in being an independent distributor and not representing any one large medical device company is you can create kind of a menu for surgeons of any specialty where, you know, they make unique considerations. A lot of, you know, let's say spine surgeons have so many different preferences on what they learned from where they went to school, where they did fellowship, and they all have different schools of thought. And anybody that's ever seen or gotten a consult from a doctor on, you know, problems with their spine, uh, you ask 10 different surgeons what they would do, they'll give you 10 different, you'll hear 10 different answers because nobody's going to do it the same way. So to be able to bring us. But surgeon, they're all the correct way and the best. <laughs> and, and correct. And they're also going to talk shit about everybody else's yeah. way. Oh, that guy's a hack. Uh, he went to, you know, uh, he went to Johns Hopkins, but I went to Stanford. It's like yeah. <laughs> the, the ego in spine and neurosurgeons is, is definitely one of the highest, but Again, if you're, you know, representing any one medical device company, you're kind of pigeonholed to just representing what that company, you know, has within their uh, armamentarium, let's say a, a Medtronic or a Depuy Synthes or a Smith and Nephew, you're kind of chained to them. But our group against, uh, again, I guess plays a little bit of a middleman type role, but in that consultative approach where we represent, you know, eight to 12 spine companies, orthopedic companies, wound care companies at any one point in time and can create that value offering for a surgeon. If you're running into, you know, this unique circumstance, we've got a solution for you here. Yeah. You run into a completely different unique circumstance, we've got a solution for you there. So they can- So do you actually could, could consult with the doctors then? And so do you understand what kind of equipment they're going to be using, again, surgical tool-wise and do you put like all those specific tools? Because I know everything's going to be sterilized. So is this something that all this this equipment comes completely sterilized, but it comes inside this bag, so you know that this doctor he likes this kind of a kit. So you put this whole kit together, and you know that this is going to be good for Doctor X over here, but you may have to do something different for Doctor Y over there. Uh, 
but because you do so, they do so many different operations. You simply know that Doctor X is going to need this again and again for a spine surgery, but he might need something a little bit differently for you know the neurosurgery because each one's it were diff, different type of operations. So it's a little bit different type of apparatuses that that would be needed. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to dumb it down for me, but then also for for some of our listeners because you know. With with a Todd with a podcast called Toxic Masculinity, we have a few knuckle draggers out there as well. That uh, mm-hmm. you know, and again, I'm I'm looking at present company not included on that one. See, see, if you thought I was gonna, I was going to set you up there, Mister Fry, didn't you? Huh? So <laughs> I I gave you a pass. I gave you a pass. <laughs> You're being very polite today. Sir. Yeah, I gotta say, yeah. Will he return that favor? Oh no, baby, he'll be throwing me underneath that yeah, short yellow bus here real quick. But that's okay. That's okay. That's what that's what keeps me on my toes at times. But uh, yeah, I guess other than those ballerina classes time. I had way back when. But hey, that's that was a whole different life. So, um, no, I mean, have you ever had a chance to? Uh, I mean, I know sometimes that uh, these doctors though actually have like public surgery where they'll have other doctors at the training and other people have you ever had a chance to actually observe any of these operations? Well, that's again, a unique and fun part of the space is uh, I look to be in every single one of the surgeries. So, Oh, really? It's on the back end. 80% of the work is probably in logistics and delivery. And really, like you had mentioned, having an innate understanding for each unique surgeon's approach and how they like to do things. Because for one, you're dealing with tremendously smart individuals that have a high level of income, a high level of expectation. And they also have a lot of... uh, High level ego. (laughs) But they're also on the line for a lot these days. One of the biggest expenses for any, you know, doctor or surgeon these days is malpractice. So, I mean, if you do something wrong in the, in the operating room, you put the wrong implant in, you do it the wrong way. You could be on the, on the line for millions of dollars. Well, you should, if you fuck it up like that, you know, you shouldn't get a free pass. There is no higher level of expectation and delivery that I've come across in a space than, you know, the surgical operating room. I mean, some say it's anywhere from five to $800 a minute mm-hmm. as far as the cost of keeping an operating room going with paying all the staff and all the overhead. So if there's a mistake that's made, somebody's losing their head or you're, you're getting replaced. You're getting replaced right. by another person that could do it better. And when you're talking about, you know, implants that can, can create, a sizable amount of revenue in business that's there's a high again high level of stress and expectation but the delivery is getting into the or day of surgery again most patients don't realize that there's going to be a lot of times somebody that's a vendor or not an employee of the hospital that's in that operating room with you that's coaching the doctor oh really and the expectation from that surgeon is whoever's had the chance and the pleasure to take that role uh better know that surgery just about as well as they do. Right. Right. You know, again, they're not going to expect you to know, you know, blood pressure and what's going on, those sorts of considerations, but you should know every part of that surgery, step-by-step, what tool is needed for it, what resources is needed from everybody else in the operating room. And you got to kind of be a smoother, you got to make, you know, if it's a stressful environment because it's not going well, surgeons can be mad at you. Oh, you know, it's kind of a, also a weird spot. You're the only person in the room that doesn't work for the hospital, so they don't have to answer to HR by treating you like garbage. Right. <laughs> Especially if you deserve it. <laughs> well, I mean, the 
the, the, the gentleman sitting across, I'll use that word gentleman kind of loosely right there, but the gentleman sitting across from me right now has had lots of time understanding the different types of kits that were probably have been used on him. I don't think Don can walk through a, a metal detector anymore. I think they got to take him off on the side to wind him on down because he probably goes off ning, ning, ning every time for all the metal he's got into me. And then they they didn't they couldn't just put in normal rods because he done breaks them and then they got to put in some you know high level rods to where I don't know how what they put in concrete rebar I don't do yeah, you, rebar, do you have rebar in the rebar. back now yeah 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 rebar. old school iron yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I broke the titanium I broke the um cobalt steel you know cobalt, you broke a cobalt chrome rod yeah yeah yeah. Again, that's some people should. <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty know. incredible. And that that's it, funny that we're kind of we're kind of brothers under the knife. I had a spine surgery myself uh, when I was fifteen. I was twenty three years ago. Uh, and at fifteen, at fifteen, so I had a I had a growth deformity. They call it uh, Sherman's kyphosis. Pretty much only happens in boys. Usually. Girls are going to more so run into scoliosis where your, your spine ends up going kind of side to side. I started to kind of collapse forward just from my spine growing so quickly upwards, it just couldn't even support itself. Uh -huh. So they did a T4 to L2. So my thoracic number four level all the way down to crossing over into my lumbar spine. A uh, little bit of an older school metal is stainless steel. You yeah. don't use that anymore. I've been lucky though because I'm not an animal, like Tom Fry. Where you're gonna be breaking his rods loose? Well, I like I like to test gravity, you know. <laughs> what, what 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 movie is that? Life from I am not an animal. I'm a human being. Do you remember that one? That's the elephant man. Yeah, the there you go. I I was waiting for a comeback like that. They're down. I go. I am not an animal. I am a human being. Yeah, the elephant man. Again, now again, that'd be like trivia. If they ever get any of our uh, people watching there, go look at the elephant man. That was actually based on a true story of a gentleman with a huge uh, deformity. Is that elephant type? No, I don't know. I think. Elephant is when your balls get real big. Like, TC fly your face, your nose. You get bit by TC fly and your balls swell up like a. <laughs> Wait, where do we go? Oh, that's that's not just be too masculine, you know. That, no, that, no, no. Just... <laughs> oh. That's what we need. Yeah. That's what we need is our uh, is our. Uh, you know, we should we should get a picture of that because that is yeah. I mean because when you say that they go, they said that, they, that sometimes their testicles get so big they actually they they have to carry them around in a wheelbarrow. Yeah, like a fifty-gallon barrel drum, you know, like it that big. Yeah, I, I mean that's uh, the door. I'll be, I'll be picking it up on the way out. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you're, you see the South Park, the South Park episode where they're, they're bouncing on their balls going through town so they can get pot. <laughs> How else you gonna get it? <laughs> Medicinal. Wow. So okay, so I mean, well, I mean, okay, you had this at fifteen, so I mean, everything go. You have to you be know, careful about certain things. You know, and I've I've always been on the side of you know testing those limits. Um, of course, you have you know the guidance that's given to you by a very conservative surgeon and or doctor at a young age that says don't ever participate in things. Uh, I'm a little bit more stubborn than that. So even uh, at college, played some college football. 
mostly warm the bench, but I got in there a few times. Um, well, again, and, that, that's incredible again for having back surgery. I mean, did you did you bother to tell the coach that? Um, well, you know, I did. So out of high school, my my goal was going to the Marine Corps, and I tried my best to hide that from them. But they did get pretty angry when they found out that I'd already gone to boot camp, and then they got my X-rays back, and they're like, "What in the fuck is this?" Mm-hmm. T- don't worry about that little guy. Don't worry about that. That's my peanut. Yeah, don't, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think, I think that's very admirable there, Doug. I mean, honestly, because you you wanted to go and you wanted to serve the country, and and uh, you didn't want something like that to uh, to, to to be a hindrance right there, because to, to me, everybody can serve into some type of capacity doing things. They had a pretty hard line, though. I can't. I don't think of any uh, uh, branch of the military that I didn't apply for, even the reserves and the Coast Guard, and I get seasick as hell. But uh, it, it was a little insulting in the end when they sent me back my draft card and said, "It's <laughs> like, okay, you guys are pretty serious about this." Well, again, I think that that's a very admirable trait that you uh, that you actually did because there's. Uh, we have sort of a scarcity of that in today's era. We don't have very many people that are looking to go into military. Uh, we don't have uh, people that are looking to go into the skilled trades. Of course, we don't have people that are looking for jobs, period. Uh, a lot of through that, through, through the little COVID uh, um, pandemic, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll use that word, maybe uh, the COVID caper could be another thing you could say there with it. But during that, that, that era of the COVID, a lot of people just seem like the, the government's trying to tell you that the best place to be is stay home and we'll take care of you. We'll send you checks. Now, I th- was was it uh, who did we say what 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 president was that was it uh, that said that some of the most uh, disturbing words is I'm from the government and Reagan. we're here to help Ronald Reagan buddy Ronald Ronald Reagan yeah oh he's I wearing that, okay, I should know he's wearing a shirt right now but again that's pretty bad when an actual president will actually say something like that as well that was one of the more wide opening things when I went to Europe for the first time I got to hang out in Germany that's really where I saw that that thought process fall into play where you get to such a control control mongering by the government and you de- disincentivize capitalism yeah. there's no incentive incentive to work and you're running into individuals that are you know work they actually have w2 work they're working for a corporation and they're doing four five hours a week of work because wow. the expectation set so low and everything else is being subsidized by the government. Like I, the, the eye opener was when a friend had asked if I noticed how much Germans walk. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand why we're pointing that out. What, I didn't notice anything. Why, why do you ask? Well, Germany has been rated as the, the country with the highest amount of hours done per day of walking. So I don't know why that's of significance. Like, Oh, well we do seven to eight hours or something like that. I was like, Aren't you doing anything else with your day? Yeah, really. <laughs> There's just no incentive to produce. And I think that's, you know, where our government is obviously looking, you know, we obviously were founded long time and stayed strong to the capitalistic approach of how this country was uh was Born, you bet. Yeah. But uh that doesn't allow for folks to maintain that control or take all that money from you. 
And like you mentioned, people are getting dumber and dumber by the day and they want, they're looking to give up more and more of their rights to somebody to just manage it for them. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you, okay. You said you've been to Germany, but if you, if anyone, if anyone travels outside of the United States, going to other countries, you're going to find out in, in other countries, they walk more, they ride more bicycles more. I mean, it's a, uh, it, it's, you know, they're actually, most countries are, are, are way healthier than Americans because, because we're working, we're doing all the work for the fucking planet. You know, the United States taxpayers paying all them sons of bitches to ride their bike and have a leisurely life and go have a three hour lunch, you know, a six hour dinner. But we got to eat at the fucking fast food restaurant because we only got 20 minutes in between, you know, uh, jobs. Shit. The pace in which so many people in this country are just trying to keep up to to survive right. is not healthy. Right. It's not healthy. And it leads to a lot of those bad decisions. You're talking about, you know, you know, after surgery, what what are gonna be the the tips and tricks? Keep yourself healthy. You know, I remember when I was, you know, going through a, a bad divorce, I was pushing three or I was a little over. Never heard of a good one. You never heard of a good one? I think Louis C.K. said that. Don't ever be sad for somebody that's going through a divorce because never two happy people have ever gone through one. Right. <laughs> but overweight, depressed, not, a, you know, not, you know, just depressed across the board, not taking care of my body. My back was hurting all the time. Mm. Every day I was getting up, moving around like Don. <laughs> <laughs> but you change up your daily habits, your approaches and your health, shave some weight off. Back feels fine now. Yeah, it is, but it's not. You have to retrain yourself. You have to take. You have to start eliminating the bad habits. And a lot of times, it's not easy to simply just go cold turkey. Sometimes you got to slowly start to wean yourself off, knowing that you're going to have bad days where you're going to fall backwards. You know, so you you, you can't just beat yourself up. You simply got to know tomorrow's another day. Get right back on that, uh, and and uh, see if you can get right back on that, and, and uh, do well with it. And I feel like a lot of people think that they're, especially, you know, I don't want to be as corny and sound as bringing up social media and all the problems it brings with it, but they're looking at these elite level athletes or they're, they're trying to keep up with the, the Dan Severn diets of when you were actively professionally competing. And are you trying to say that they, 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 they savored the buffets? I mean, cause that knows me. I mean, I, I love a good old fashioned buffet, you know, yeah. <laughs> cheap one. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> oh, Don, I told you that. Never use the C word around me. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Uh, Tony, fiscally Tony, Don's being mean to me, Tony. Fiscally conservative, John. Don, stop picking on Dan. Nobody give you a fucking <laughs> speaking role here. We're gonna we're gonna have to give, give uh, uh, Tony. We're gonna have to give you a referee shirt there and, and throw yellow flags because you know, give give Don a timeout, okay? Would you? He's he's being mean and rude to me. So it's it's like it's like our military now. Well, we you all be having bad. You need a stress card. Well, yeah, give you a stress. Uh, yeah, it's just it's like the military. Good. We you you can be a bad day. The sergeant could be yelling at you, and you pull out your stress card. And go, Sarge, you're yelling at me. You're you're. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a tough day. Tony's got to be the referee shirt. Got to pull out stress cards to keep Don from picking on Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's favorite c word is coupon. 
<laughs> what a clipper. Oh. He finally got one in. It's been two and a half years, and he finally got one. You know, he a partial credit for that one. Man. And see, did he even unload that one on you there, Dad? I mean, good. Oh, yeah, was, he unloaded it on no, me. Oh, he said, Dan, I'm Dan, yeah. Yeah, so again, so there, there. Yeah, you can... <laughs> Just when I was looking for the backup there, E2 Brute. I get stabbed in the back here now, huh? <laughs> That's why. That's why you very rarely see me down to Tucson anymore. Okay, yeah. Well, that's because the gas prices. Shit. Oh. <laughs> happy about it. It was 60, 60 cents higher up in Phoenix. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna well, fill up down here. Yeah, you better fill up. Yeah. <laughs> Take a couple gas cans. Yeah. I wish I still have. I'd be. I'd be saving more if I still have my truck. But uh, uh, somebody made it a little bit of an idiot mistake. It definitely wasn't me, and contaminated the fuel tank. Right when the United Auto Workers are on strike, and apparently Dodge uh, just doesn't want to make any parts for it, so it's uh really it's stuck in Vegas for the foreseeable future. Fuel system, there's got to be some left in the plant. You got to be using the right. fuel system as last year. Right. Apparently not. So is is that home? Is Vegas your your home home base? I actually just relocated out of the Phoenix area. Oh, Phoenix. Okay. From Vegas you know, to Phoenix. The adage I say is everybody says three days in Vegas is good. And you feel exhausted and want to come home. I did 10 years. So wow. it'll stack up. Well, you, you, I mean, well, honestly, if, if you, well, there's a lot of beautiful areas in Vegas or just outside of Vegas. There's a lot of beautiful areas. I mean, I, I, I've been to Hoover Dam because I I, I I passed through there so many times from from Arizona going to Vegas, you know, stopping off to see the Hoover Dams. You know, there, there's a lot of cool things to see and, and do. It's uh, everyone wants to go just to Vegas just to see Vegas. The old the old strip again. It's been a while. The old strip used to be really something to see, but more and more of those old casinos are going bye bye, and new ones are popping up. Fremont Street gets a little rough these days on the weekend. You go there on a Friday, Saturday night, you're going to see uh, some pretty undesirables. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't bring your kids out there, too. There's going to be some street vendors that are, there's definitely going to be some topless ones <laughs> and not the ones that you want to see. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the end of their middle of their transition. <laughs> they're, they're transitioning. They're the rejects from not only the strip clubs to the, uh, to the truck stops, and they end up in Fremont Street. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, we, we, the, the bar kept going down and down, yeah. and it, I think it just someone dropped it, <laughs> stepped on it. But you're right, Las Vegas does have, you know, outside of the strip, you know, anybody that lives there is not usually spending too much time on the strip. For one, I mean, it's expensive to do stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at you look at the tickets for U2 at that new sphere. I mean, mm -hmm. that's breaking the bank right there. So it's some, um, you know, a lot of the folks that are coming in to see that which is, it looks like a second to none experience or, you know, coming internationally. And they know that, you know, you're going to be dropping five, six grand in three days. Damn. Ready to spend Damn. some money. Do you hear that, Severin? <laughs> can, I, you, can you imagine something like that out of your, out of your, in your lifestyle? <laughs> um, I, I kind of missed part of the, the, the pun right there, but I know it was, it was at my expense or somehow. So would you like to repeat that? that? People, I, I didn't people, have my I didn't have my hearing aid turned up. Go ahead there, Mr. Pry again. People going to Vegas and spending five or six grand in twenty four hour period. Um, <laughs> I, 
I would, I would have, a, I would have a high fever. I would have a high fever if that ever happened. <laughs> I, I would be certifiedly insane at that point if, if I had done something like that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. A little bit hard to spend that in uh, Coldwater Creek, right? Yeah, Coldwater, Michigan. Coldwater, cold Michigan. Water, there we go. There we yeah, go. it's like a cold Blue drink Creek. of water, Coldwater, Michigan. Hey, come on now, you, you, you're 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 putting that a little bit out in the urban area when you add the creek to it. Yeah. <laughs> I got some family that's in uh, Farmington, up outside of Detroit. No, I remember going. Yeah, to- no, I mean that's that's a very that's actually a nice area, very nice area, Farmington, Michigan. I know it was way out of my league. Yeah, no, it, there's uh again, there's every state has some you know nice richer type of areas, and then there's other areas that's well not quite as de- desirable. Uh, no, no type of touristy type of you know destinations by any means. I, again, like well, a couple of years back. They were doing water testing in Flint, Michigan, and uh, you know that's where Flint, Michigan made all the papers because of their water having some of the highest contaminants, you know, ever. It was, it was downhill from the Severn Farm, huh? So what made you what made you get one get into the, the medical field anyway? You know, so we were talking about earlier of uh, obviously military not working out, you know, and and then you're just trying to kind of figure out your way when you're 18, you know, long story, but. Parents weren't too involved at that point, so had to be my own guidance and uh, uh, went up to the Bay Area to go to San Jose State and uh, was thinking, I guess the next logical thought would be going to law enforcement. I was looking at either federal um, federal law enforcement or local. Well, again, long story short, I ended up doing, finishing my uh, undergrad and first master's degree in criminology before I realized uh, it's not the space for me. Yeah. Just didn't want to get into monitoring people all the time, writing tickets, just in, inserting myself into people's life. More so, just leave me the hell alone. Right. And at that time, I, you know, I was working at, uh, I had gotten hired on at Four Seasons, and fairly young age, and kind of worked up from the ground. And they put me into a group sales position, and I really liked the aspect of sales. I mean, I, you know, had to take it upon myself at a pretty young age to learn how to communicate and try to try yeah. to interact with individuals. And that was my first opportunity. Got to go out into the you know Silicon Valley marketplace and make partnerships on behalf of one of the fanciest hotel chains in the world and try to, it wasn't very hard convincing individual corporations and whatnot to want to have their employees stay at Four Seasons. Usually they're VPs and above. They weren't right. putting their schlubs at Four Seasons. Right. Um, and kind of graduated from there. I went over, I uh, ended up getting picked up by Enterprise Car Rental um, and <laughs> went in through their track. I always joke about if anybody's ever seen uh, Step Brothers, Will Ferrell always makes a epic joke about enterprise where, you know what, they give you the tools to be your own boss and really succeed. <laughs> you know, uh, go ahead, Dan, cut you off. No, I was going to say, that was my number one rental car place I went to was Enterprise. I mean, the, I think the first time I took the car off the lot, I brought it back like a, a week later. I had put like, I don't know, 5,000 or more miles onto it. They were shocked. And they're like going, where did you go? I go, well, it might be easier if I told you where I didn't go. And then uh, I go, that's what I was looking for, unlimited mileage. Because if you get hit by the, the mile, oh, it's, it's rather costly with it, but unlimited mileage. But then they found out kind of who I was and what I was doing. And then they 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 they, they thought it was pretty cool. I, it's amazing how fast the life of a rental car is. It, yeah. you, know, you might have a car that you know gets delivered one day, and four months later, it's at forty-five thousand miles, yeah. and it's got to be sold just because you get you know everybody's going to take a trip. 
Yeah. Rarely do people well, just float around town with it. Yeah. Uh, but I guess continuing that, Enterprise surprisingly is a feeder into the medical sales space. There's a couple other companies that were notorious for it, you know, like Rico Copiers and Xerox. And I think their thought process in the medical space is that uh, if you talk and just get out there and work, the products are going to sell themselves, especially with the amount of funding behind it. So they were looking for people that had just a little bit of work ethic. And oh. if you're, you know, willing to work at Enterprise, which if anybody's ever worked there, uh, it ends up being a lot of hours. Usually, you know, I don't remember many weeks where I wasn't working less than 60. Um, you don't have a lot of resources available to you to deliver something, you know, a great service to the customer. You got a lot of stuff that's going on in the background. You got to get really creative and it's really hard to get promoted. Um, it's a very unique company as far as, far as how they uh, train and build up people. But long story short, I got a call from a pharmaceutical company and they said, how would you like to double your money and work half as many hours? And we'll give you a company credit card and a car and all those frills. I said, oh, oh, come on. That, you mean to me that that's all it took? That's all it took. That's all it took. <laughs> but pharmaceuticals, and that could be a topic in itself these days, especially with a lot of documentaries that are coming out about that industry and everybody that's got their frustrations with medicines that they're on and you know think you know the amount of costs that are associated with them uh i hate i wasn't a big fan of pharmaceuticals but somehow in that i realized that i enjoyed the medical space and i just started keep my eyes open and running into salespeople outside of hospitals that were wearing scrubs and i'm like it's not a doctor you know it's it's somebody in between start asking questions it's like hey how you know not many people know about this space but you could be a surgical rep in the operating room, getting to teach, to teach, you know, let's say at the time, the one that really appealed with me was, was spine surgeons because of my own experience with my spine. You could be in there teaching them and making a great living at it. Wait a second. And it's still sales. Just give that a shot. And been there ever since. Uh, it's, you know, in the last uh, seven, eight years that I've been in the space, gotten to work with so many different specialties that it's, it's maybe just a resource to a lot of people that I know. Mm -hmm. And it's nice even more so now to be taking that extra focus in the regenerative medicine uh, space, which, you know, cash is king. Cash businesses are always funner to be in. Anybody that deals with cash is a lot happier in where they are. And patients are a lot of times a lot happier. So it's kind of nice to be focusing on that new space. So what do you think about cool. those new um, uh, fucking uh, the, the new uh, currency? Uh, fuck! Yeah, I can't lost lost my train of thought. Jesus, uh, I fight. I just shit the bed, man. <laughs> I've done that a few times. Once last night. How they want to change the dollar and get rid of it? Yeah, China. Make it all. Make it all. Uh, make it all just currency. Digital. Uh, digital currency. Digital currency. Yeah. You know, I got. You know, I don't know if it was something dad or somebody within the family said, you know, if you can't explain your business in 30 seconds or less and you don't really understand it, and I'm not sure I'm going to believe it. I don't know how many people I've had tried to explain me blockchain and it just goes on and on and on and they seem more confused mm -hmm. in the end. And just how fast stuff is eroding. I mean, you know, look at how fast NFTs came and gone, which I still don't understand. Like buy an electronic picture. Yeah. And that's somehow electronic art. 
yeah, again, I, I still remember seeing the, the picture of, of the monkeys. I kept, and I kept thinking, well, this is a, the electronic picture number one of the monkey, but we're going to sell you picture number two of the monkey. I'm thinking, but I don't actually tangibly have nothing in my hand. <laughs> so I did not understand any of that. Look at how fast Mike Tyson came in and out with the, the angry pigeons or what was it called? This was the pigeons. Oh. It was something to have to do with the, the messenger pigeons. Yeah, but, I mean, he must have been talking about for six months before it completely died. Really? Well, I know that. I, okay. I, I mean, when you hear I, about I missed that whole, I missed that whole business experience. When you start hearing about the 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 background behind, you know, BlackRock and you know the Schwab family and what they're doing and the the smart smart billionaires at the international level, I mean, anything is possible, and the what the writing you can definitely see on the wall and there's a definitely a few conspiracy theory movements and or truth but there it is yeah what was it called the fighting pigeons it's called the yeah it said 10 the iron pigeons iron pigeons. yeah That's iron pigeons iron mike makes sense. well again iron mike iron pigeon actually i see the core relationship now oh what are you supposed to do that's five hundred thousand. Nothing. That's it, Don. Give me my money. It's mm -hmm. five hundred thousand dollars just to look at this picture. Huh? And if you and if you change that belt to red, it's going to be worth six hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't have a checkbook, yeah, <laughs> I don't carry a check. Sorry, <laughs> okay. don't have, don't have a pen. Oh, cash is fine. Like yeah. my crayon melted in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but but Doug, more more into this regenerative medicine. So I mean, I know when we started in the beginning there, but do you dabble? Does your does your company dabble in, in anything with the stem cells, the lasers, and uh, there's a lighting. Uh, there's a, there's a, even the, the, these healing lights that, that I've seen in the past that you can set for different type of settings and what it, what it does for topical type applications for promoting healing and that again with the same thing with the lasers, but. Uh, I know I miss a few other things. I mean, hyperbaric chambers are are becoming more and more the thing, especially with post surgery because of uh, just the oxidize, oxidization of, of uh, the body. That just better healing, more complete type of healing. So these are things that again, yours truly will be going underneath the knife here rather soon. And I'm already lining up a few different things to where I have a laser at my. Uh, availability. I'm going to have one of these light machines at my av availability. I'm going to have a hyperbreak chamber at my availability. So I want to heal quickly and uh, you know, be able to do things I can't really do as well now because of pain. I know when I go, whenever I'm in a hospital, I'll stick in the nasal cannula, you know, and jack it up. And the nurse will come in and say, you don't need that. And yeah, you do, lady. <laughs> yeah, you do. The nasal cannula? Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, ask for oxygen. Oh, you know? oh yeah, yeah. You know, and they're like, where, where do you use that? Because oxygen fucking helps, you know, heal. I mean, we touched on a few different things there. I mean, but hyperbaric chambers, because I know you're a, you're a huge advocate, uh, Dan. We had talked about that in the past. And. Uh, you've had experience in the past with really delivering that to more of a home setting or a performance setting for athletes. Yep. But I think largely, the probably a large amount of adoption for hyperbarics is in wound care and uh, probably neurodegenerative diseases, you know, your Parkinson's, your strokes. But, you know, when you're talking about the healing affect after surgery, I mean, you got, 
got a growing amount of people internationally, but a lot in this country that have, you know, diabetic, uh, diabetic wounds or just wounds that are not healing because, because yeah. they series of other comorbidities that are making it challenging and you've got wounds. Well, you, you, you hit on the big one right there with, with diabetes because diabetes sometimes, sometimes you just get a bit more ulcers and things of that nature on, on your body. So, yeah. Yeah. They call, I think the biggest wounds, I don't know by percentage in the U S are DFUs and VL, VLUs. So your diabetic foot ulcers, just because of inconsistency with your blood sugars and your, you know, uh, uh, pancreatic sufficiency. A lot of times you just get these wounds that start to open up and it's mm. sad. Like there's, we don't realize when going out and walking around, you're seeing the the normal population, but we've got such a growing percentage of people that are in, you know, long-term acute care hospitals, right. you know, skilled nursing facilities. that will be there for years and years and years. Yes. And even out. something like the most basic, like like a bed sore, just because you've been laying there for so long, you start to get bed sores. You got to help rotate this person up back and forth. And, and now they're getting more, even some of the beds are more like a massage type bed or an oscillating type of bed, just so that it helps create a little bit more circulation for you. You know, hundred percent. I mean, when you're when you're laying in one position, you're you know you're afflicted by a lot of different you know challenges you know mm. with your health. You're just going to sit in bed all day. You're not motivated. Your family's not coming to see you. Right. You're not taking care of, you know, your daily intake of food. Maybe you're on a feeding tube and those wounds will stay open for years, years. And people, they're just getting larger and larger. They're spreading. And, you know, there's only so many times you can scrape a scab off and put a bandaid on and it's just going to keep on growing. Right. You got to look at things like, you know, advanced wound tissues and that's kind of where we started talking where the regenerative capabilities of birth tissues i guess we could call it as an umbrella um became kind of realized you know i don't know if wound care was the first space but you know using amniotic sheets to try to heal wounds across the body has become known as one of the you know first line alternatives when somebody's not healing because you know podiatrists, wound care docs, plastic surgeons know that you know that property of that amniotic tissue might give the ability to try to heal that wound. It might take a while, but it's going to be faster than when your body never would. And yep. you know if you know sometimes that can get a little bit expensive. Hyperbarics will come in there. Where again, I uh, I don't know a lot of the science of hyperbarics. I know it's definitely depending on the depth and the amount of, uh, you know, yeah. I, I let Dan, you speak to that one as far as. Well, no, I mean, I'll just say this, you, you hit the nail on the head. The, you can have a very, uh, very economical commercial model uh, that I should say the actual whole model, but the more and more that you're looking for, the higher, higher the pressures that you want to go, you know, you, you have to go more and more to a metal type of uh, container, but there's, uh, there's, uh, hyperbrakes that you can get out there that, uh, you know, for, for just a, a few thousand dollars, you can have uh, your home kit that would, you know, it'll give you a great deal of benefit. You know, just, I, I used a lot of it when I was doing a couple of different uh, training camps to where once I you know, do a training camp, but then go into uh, to an EECP machine. That was one, one of the other things, the modalities I was utilizing, but then I go on the one machine for one hour and then I would go into the hyperbrake machine for, for another hour. And it was like, one just got all kinds of blood flow going to it. And then the other one was like oxidization of the blood. And it's like going, what a one-two combination that I think a lot of people just are not aware of. But more and more of these are more prevalent or needed as one gets older. 
because the reality is as one gets older, are you really going to exercise? Are you going to do all the walking? Are you going to go to the gym and do things? Because as you get older, you start feeling like, you know, especially like, like a man, you can't, I can't lift the same kind of weights I did before. So now I start feeling, well, maybe I don't want to go to the, to the gym because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm using my little girly weights and stuff like that. But though, that's one of the things that you've got to get over yourself because the reality is if you're not continuing to try to, work on building muscle mass, your tissues are going to still continue to deteriorate. You, as you get older, there, is, there there are no perks to getting older. I don't care if you get your, your discount at Denny's for the breakfast, you know, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. You better continue to use your body and you better continue to use your mind. Otherwise, they're, they're both going to deteriorate on you to the point that you're just going to have a very sedentary lifestyle and then all you're going to be doing is watching life pass you by. There's definitely no shortcuts when it comes to that. And I, that the current thing that I'm seeing that I think a lot of people are going to realize when their health starts failing is this big kick up in the semaglutide for weight loss thing that I think Elon started talking about originally with the Wegovi. Uh, there's a few other companies that have come out of that, but it was, you know, it's a, it's a diabetes drug that's used for insulin regulation. And somebody realized that, Hey, when, you know, doing some injection rounds of it, I don't know the dosing of it, that you start to lose weight. So everybody, you got, you got folks that are lining up, you've got chiropractors, you've got inner, you know, a chiropractor or, you know, internal medicine doctors that are starting up weight loss clinics now that are completely built on semaglutide <laughs> and people are not realizing that, uh, uh, for one, the long-term effects, who the heck knows? Because mm -hmm. usually people with insulin-regulated diabetes don't, they're not getting better over length of time. Don't usually. live long now. Yeah, not off of the injection itself. But now they're, you know, people are losing weight, but they're realizing you've got, you're actually increasing in body fat. Right. Well, you're just losing bone density. You're using, you're losing Most soft tissue. You're, lo you're losing organ volume. It's like people are going to start dropping dead really quick here not to be confused with any other injections we might have been taking over the last few years. I'm going to go see a man about a horse. Be right back. Okay. <laughs> well, well, Doug, we can talk behind Don. We can talk about uh, Don behind his back here now. We'll just keep right on going. He, yeah, just, just for all any, any viewers, Trying to get Don's, not go, Don's not going to see anyone about a, about a horse here right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, and you, you said you've been you've been in, in the field of this 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 particular field for how many years? Uh, medical devices about eight years, about eight years. But, but okay, done spine. You know, focused and worked with spine surgeons, uh, orthopedics, plastics, burn, podiatry, um, and again, like mentioned before, a lot more wellness wellness spas, uh, performance spas, and. Uh, plastic surgeons kind of under the same umbrella these days are a lot more of the newer conversations because a lot of people want to hear about non-traditional therapies, you know, IEU, we were, we were talking about, you know, the hip and your hip and the problems you had and your experience yeah. with going down to bio accelerator. I mean, right. give a little feedback on your experience there and maybe the, the reasons why you went there based upon your previous history in the U S well, I mean, well, again, we'll just try, try to make a long story short. I mean, I um, I was approached at at USC by, by people that were associated with uh, with that particular company, and they, I mean, basically, they offered me, "Would you like to get get uh, loaded up with like these millions and millions of stem cells?" 
And I had already knew enough about stem cells that it's like a rejuvenation type of thing. It's like dipping your toe into the fountain of youth. Who wouldn't want to do something like this? And I'm like going, sign me up. Because well, again, I knew of others that had made the trip and they all had big thumbs up. Uh, probably the biggest, best story about that is the story about Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes was a wrestler, got in the UFC, but then he also Middle was driving his truck and got hit by a, got hit by a train. And I mean, he's lucky to have been alive, but he was actually in a coma for like about, I think, four months. He and, and they didn't think he was even going to come out of the coma. He came out of the coma, and but 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 by the time he came out of the coma, it was almost like he was an infant. He had to relearn everything about walking and talking. And I do believe, I don't I don't know what at what point that someone came and said, "Hey, let's let's get let's get him down to uh, Medellin, South America," and we're going, to, we're going to try to just hit him with these mega doses of stem cells to see what it, what it does. Now it, it worked a miracle for him. I mean, he, I mean, he, I mean, fast forward to today, he's walking, he's talking, he's doing things that he could not do before. And, and then, you know, I mean, like with his accident, I'm not hundred percent familiar with it. It was all brain activity that was kind of limited or also, you know, well, no, it, it, I mean, he, he was just a complete mess. I mean, he just, I mean, between what it did to him, traumatic brain wise, he had all kinds of swelling on the brain. It's just like, it just, even today, you could, you could tell though, when he's walking, you, you know that something happened, but you don't really know what. But he's in a lot better place now than where he was. I mean, he, he was in a coma for, like I said, for, I think three, four months, something like that. They didn't even think it was going to come out of it, but. He did. And but when he did come out, he was almost like an infant in a lot of ways. He had to relearn how to talk, how to use his hand control the whole nine yards. And then when he finally did make the trip down there and, and they got the mega doses of all these stem cells, it really it, it, it improved his quality of life. And then we were talking about that. Well, we, we jumped on the more comical side. You got Mel Gibson who takes his pops down there and uh, his pops. Oh. Goes down there and then all of a sudden he's watching, starting wanting to date younger women because uh, he's, he's like going, whoa, yeah, he's got, uh, yeah. Certain things that haven't risen to the, to the occasion lately are, are starting to rise up and, and Bell's kind of like, like, Pops, what's what's up with that here, okay? Yeah, so kind of comical in, in that sense. But uh, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of what stem cells really can do. And the reality is like, well, it's Scottsdale, Arizona is the only stem cell storage bank in the entire United States. So think about this. If, if Doug Wheeler at 20 years of age could have went in there and put some of his stem cells in, 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 in this bank, and now when Doug Wheeler is 60, 70 years of age and you're starting to have some problems, what better matchup would you get? Then the simply go back to this stem cell bank and go, hey, I want my circa 20-year-old stem cells injected back into me. Perfect match. Match made in heaven. They're yours. It's yep. going to match kind up perfectly. The process came from, I think, umbilical cord blood originally, where yes. you know, whenever, uh, whenever mom's having a healthy C-section birth, you capture yep. that umbilical cord and you put it, in a, put it in a bank and store it for a later day. You know, the thought is you don't have any donor re reject issues or things of the, along yep. that nature. It becomes expensive, though. 
I mean, some of those yeah. lights are two, three, four hundred dollars a month. And you're storing that for no, 20, 20 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. Well, well, again, it just all depends. Like anything else, the, the more that you get out there, I mean, the, you usually prices start to come on down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's a great thing that with the amount of exposure that those interviews that, you know, Mel Gibson talking about his dad anecdotally, uh, you had another guy on Rogan, uh, Roddy McGee. He's actually out of Las Vegas and, I think he had some exposure to some some UFC in you know injections and IVs and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of attraction to see something else because we're the U.S. healthcare system. We don't we're not the biggest companies are not motivated to innovate. Right. I think about one of the largest medical device companies, if not the largest. Don't quote me on market share, but Medtronic. Medtronic makes something for everything. They do spine, they do cardiology, they do pain, they do off the shelf items in every hospital. You go into the back room of a hospital, Medtronic or a B Braun, let's say, is 90% of things on the shelf. If, if a Medtronic comes out with something terribly new and innovative, let's say, um, you know, for a knee replacement, Oh, let's say a hip replacement, because that sounds a little bit more on point right now. Uh, you know, they come out. Oh, with come on now. Come on now. <laughs> brand new hip implant that's made out of this really innovative material that's you know biomechanically gonna perform better than anything they have to look back at all their legacy things that they're they've got 10 or 15 other hips out there let's say and nobody's going to use those ever again mm. and all that money that it took to develop that bring that to the marketplace do testing on has all been lost because no, you know, you end up eroding away your potential of on of any of your uh, legacy products being used, and you're running right. with the biggest companies that have the most amount of adoption into hospitals and or patients. So they're not motivated to innovate because we're so chained to that insurance reimbursement landscape, and doing that, you know, is largely funded by big pharma or big medical device companies that don't want new things coming to run, coming to market. So let's say. <clears throat> Let's say for your hip, if you're going to go see any one doctor, any specialist, any orthopedic doc, any an internal medicine doc, there's only a few things that they have to try to help with the pain in your hip. Corticosteroids. So they're going to do a cortisone injection. That's usually their frontline option. Yeah. Um, well, let me let me stop right there. But cortisone, although it, it will do the trick, it's like a Band-Aid being put on a broken leg because it will do the trick in the beginning. But you can't go back repeatedly because cortisone eventually just rots out that joint. Right, eats it away. Right. Yeah, it's it, it, it's good. It's good for like I said, a couple times go in there, and a lot of times you know, that's what happens with football players stuff like that. They'll just give them a cortisone shot. They're right back in on the next game or something like that. But then it's not doing them any. There's no real healthiness about it. It's pretty. Correct. Correct, me, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, it's the uh, real point that they're seeing a lot of troubles with. The, probably the most amount of injections, don't quote me on that, uh, for any orthopedic is probably knees. Uh -huh. And when people are going back to get a knee replacement because the injections haven't worked, they're opening up people's knees right now to do that knee replacement and their bone cartilage, everything is just melted. It's just seeing that long-term effect of those steroids over a long period. It just it degrades the joint. So, I mean... You know, but some docs will say, ah, you know, six or seven years, fine. Like, yeah, but you're going to do that for five or 10 years in a row because they're going to keep you coming back every single month. They right. have to bill your insurance every month. They're going to bill you for the procedure every month. 
if they're going to find you a solution and you never come back, you just messed up with their business. You messed up their business model. Mm. Well, then you, you, you would have, I, I think would have enjoyed being a fly in the wall. Cause I, again, as we started off the conversation, I come to the conclusion that I have to have something done and I can't just take a pill. I just can't take a shot at this point. The, 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 the joint is gone. And so it's kind of like going, now I'm, I'm looking for the best surgeon or someone that's very competent in what they're doing. And, uh, and, and I want the best part being put in because just like you were saying, these parts have been improved over time, L different type of alloys and stuff like that, that are being put to them. Um, I now I'll, I'll use like Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman has had, I, I know he's had one hip. I don't know if he's had both hips done, but he's had at least one hip done, but his hip has come out of joint, uh, out of socket three, four or five or more times. I'm thinking, Whatever part he got put in, I don't want that part because there's not a good track record with it. So, and it's, I forget the name of the part that they're, they're putting into me because it's the, some of my other research said that, well, whatever part that, uh, that were current at that time, they were good for about eight years for a 150 pound person. And I'm thinking, what? What's that going to do for for a two hundred fifty pound man? Does that mean I get four and a half, five? You know, and and is that just sitting around tea time? I go, no, I want to be active. I want to, I want to put that joint to the test. Well, then the the, 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 the guy I, I I've been speaking to, he says the newest part right now. Again, he was talking about how it's all it's like encapsulated and, and, and encapsulated that uh, it's like it's rated for sixty years. 60 and I, and I go i go well i go are you, you around to dispute him later well no no see i, I but see okay no, no, doug, you, you'll you like this i go because i said what well, well doc i go i'm 65 and one of my goals is to live to be 125 so 60 uh 65 i go we're right there i go i and i looked right at him i go if you're still around i'll let you know if the warranty is good but again but a lot of that, and, and you know that being in, in the medical field, attitude goes a long way. There are times when when you go back to the Vietnam War days and they're out of morphine to give different soldiers for pain, they were giving them placebos. Here, we got some morphine here for you. They were, they were feeding them placebos. And like, okay, just give it another five or 10 minutes and it'll kick in on you. And like, okay. And, and they're literally... Just by telling that that's up, it was working on a number of different patients. Antidepressants are the per perfect connection there. Anybody that's had exposure to an SSRI or an SNRI, so that's selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor or uh, selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. You know, how many, I don't know the percentage of people in the United States that are that are on an antidepressant, but I know from the back end, working for a big pharmaceutical company like Allergan, I launched a drug called Vibrid and another one called Fetsima. Um, and you can edit out those names later. <laughs> and you're looking at the data. And like you said, you know, having a little bit of charisma and, you know, the, the, the best surgeon or the best doctor is a good salesperson. And, you know, when they have salespeople around them that are showing them data and, you know, things that are changing from baseline and things that are going to get improved there's a lot you can do with marketing material and not really be telling them the truth. Right. But I remember seeing most of that space 
you know, you talk about a placebo effect. I mean, there'd be 6% difference, you know, taking the drug has a 55% reduction in symptoms or taking placebos at 49 and yeah. laundry list of side effects that you're going to have associated with. It. It's all about the story you can tell, but that individual patient that's going to be told they need to refill their, you know, antidepressant script every month is the goldmine to, to mine for later years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's where the real, and that's a tough part for a lot of patients when it comes to regenerative medicine is there is the potential, not for everybody. Like, I mean, the things that you did in your life athletically, Dan, you know, the amount of wear and tear on your body from, you know, obviously being part of, you know, UFC and the professional wrestling world, like there's not many people that have that kind of wear and tear on their body. Well, so, you know, so there's no measure. a lot of the, a lot of the mental aspect that I have that's wrong with me, it's, is having association with people like Don Fry. You know, I just, you know, <laughs> I can't, I mean, I, I, I've been abused and abused and abused for, for just decades. It's kind of like going, you know, it's, it's a wonder that I have, it's a wonder I have any self-esteem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you have self, you have no reason to have self-esteem. Look at you. <laughs> But it's just kind of like it's like it's like being whipped all the time. It's like going, I kind I kind of like I, I kind of like to feel the leather now, just strapping me here and there and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's I mean, a massive kissing. Couple, couple of websites I could forward you to if you. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he's got the mask, the gimp mask, and the, the suit in the back there. A little bit. <laughs> Dan can't wait for us to go back to masking here in the next six months. Yeah, yeah. Oh, to let the real BDSM out. That's it. Let's exactly. see it. I got I got one right here right now. This is that's more one of the more comical little uh doctors at mass is kind of you know, put that one on. It's like going, yeah, yeah, it's going like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, get a fake mustache on it. What do you think the uprising is gonna be if US starts to try to bring back in lockdowns and I mean you already got Kelchi Kelchi, Kelsey, the other guys. Kelchi or I don't know what it is. Falsy, no, the Kelsey. football guy. Oh then Tay Tay that's already getting slapped up there on Pfizer's got yeah. like six band-aids on. Travis, like, Travis Kelsey. What's he doing? He's the he, new spokesperson for oh, Pfizer. What a fucking himself. idiot. What a fucking idiot. Well Tell that's out. what happens when you get sucked into the the with a demon. Like a, well, when he has a fucking heart attack in six months, well, you know, he'll he'll know. Okay. Yeah, right. He's just going to take the money. He ain't going to take it. Right. Yeah. Just- I, I just think that part of it just boils down to the fact that, uh, how does that old saying go? Fool me white once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, so to me, it's like going, I think a lot more people will really start to question. Uh, I mean, why the, the, they, they should, they should be questioned right along. It, uh, Doug, you don't know this, but I mean, when 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 the pandemic was at at its height, they were literally they mean our government was telling everyone to stay at home, don't get out on the roads. Only right. first responders, like truck drivers, and some and, you know people first responder type of things. Only only truck drivers that really be out on the road, and 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 they're saying that there will be state police or the national guard will be at the borders of of your states to either arrest you or to turn you back. At that time, I was in Michigan. I had to be in Arizona. So as I get in my vehicle and I'm driving to the border of Michigan, Indiana, I'm thinking, well, I am the, I mean, when I say I'm the only car, I am the only vehicle, period. 
on this road driving down. I'm thinking, I'm getting close to the border. Do I see any barricades? Do I see any uh, police? Do I see any military? No, no, and no. I keep on going, and I finally start creeping up on the first semi-tractor trailer. And then as, as I'm driving up, uh, I'm starting to pass him. I look on up. He looks on down. He looks at me, and he goes, give him a thumbs up. He gives me a thumbs up. Two to the horn right there. And I'm like, beep, beep. And I'm like, well. Do you have a mask like, on? <laughs> What's that? Do you have a mask on? No, 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 no. Hell no, no, no. It's, I mean, but but I mean, the, the, the whole purpose of telling the story is that Americans are too too easy to forget. The the, the 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 running meme the running meme at that time was it showed a family of four. They were all hiding behind their couch, and they're all wearing masks. They're hiding behind their couch as they're peering around watching the TV. Right. And, and but they're in, they're in the privacy of their own home, yet they're hiding behind the couch, all masked, watching the TV, and the TV's just still blowing about. Do this, do that, do the whole nine yards. And it's like going, Americans, that, that's one of the things that angers me about Americans, how forgetful they are. Yeah, we're always. And how quickly they, they move right down with their life of, of just what what's the next Xbox game coming out? What's the next movie that's coming out? I mean, literally, they're just so. Frivolous, and, and there's 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 more there, there's there are, there are people that need to answer, and oh, yeah. and always especially in, in in the last few years, there there are some people that have not answered anything, and you you wonder about our legal system, you wonder about uh, our political environment, you wonder about all this kind of stuff because we are living in, in some of the strangest of times, and and we got billions of dollars that are going from our taxpayers to other countries to fund wars and to fund well they say war but then it's like it all depends on what network that you listen to as to are they funding the war or are they funding individuals uh who's siphoning off funds here there i mean there's all kinds of finger pointing the sad part is why whatever happened to fact checkers when when, when, when you would say something wrong, that a fact checker would come back and say, you better change this and you better apologize and you better change this. Otherwise, you're now liable. And that's that's a shame that, that you have networks now that can blatantly lie to you. I think Denzel said that years ago. It was on a red carpet somewhere and said it's, you know, use a new news organization. It's not your job to be correct. It's your job to be first just get information out there as long as it's information. I mean, we see that today. I mean, you know, I don't, I haven't watched news in forever unless it's at the gym, but you know, even between just your normal social media feeds, you know, Instagram and you know, maybe LinkedIn and a couple others, you know, you're, there's a new piece of groundbreaking shit that's happening every day. I mean, we're, we've already, you know, we've already, we go down the laundry list of places we've forgotten in the last six months. We don't even remember that Hawaii was on fire right. like 30 days ago and there's, there's no more Maui. Like imagine yeah. people in the world that are potentially yeah. never going to go back to Maui. How is look, look, oh, look, 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 $700 east over some billions over to fucking Ukraine. Ukraine. But yeah, but okay, but then look at, look at how many trains have derailed in, 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 in the last six months. East Palestine. And not only did they derail, they happened to almost like blow up uh, certain communities a little bit there as well. Yeah. 
but I think the more inundated you can keep people with information on the day to day and keep people stressed and scared. I mean, there's a lot of experts that, that have identified it. I mean, they just they stop arguing. Nobody's going to stand up and say anything about these problems and these mismanagements of funds and decisions because everybody's scared and stressed the hell out. Well, you got the FBI going to fucking school um, meetings, you know, and writing down names, you know, people. You hear those the parents that are uh, objecting to certain things that are going on within like elementary and high school. Yeah. And put on like terror watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You believe that shit? You're going to be a but you got seven million fuckers coming through the cross the border we don't know anything about but they're spending their fucking time on the on the taxpayers who are worried about their children getting inundated you know about what cut their dick off or you know something like that the puppeteers that are going on around the world i think i said earlier like the black rocks and the schwab family like they're controlling everybody and until we can kind of disconnect you know the certain the, the right people can disconnect themselves from that machine and start trying to change it we're we're fucked. All right. guy, it's going to be a tough next five to ten years. Unless, unless we get President Trump in there, you know, to go back and fix this shit, you know. Everybody, every day, you know, unless you're at, of course, that extreme, you know, everybody's got their worries. But the amount and the percentage of population that is worried about if they're going to get to work and whether they're not going to afford gas in their car. Right, right. Uh, if they go to the hospital and I, I mean. I find this recently. I got I got hit in the head in the gym recently, had insurance, you know, was feeling a little dizzy for the next couple of days. And I was like, I don't even want to go to the hospital. Right. I don't want to go to the hospital because I'm going to get screwed with a bill. Right. And right. I called a neurosurgeon friend and I was just like, what do you think? Like, what can I say for them to, you know, actually take my insurance and just get seen and, you know, not have to worry about it? So, oh, you know, say it under this. Still, six weeks later, I get a, you know, I get a, I was in there for 45 minutes with a CT scan and I get a bill for 3,500 bucks. Right. It was a $20,000 visit. Right. And my insurance didn't pay for all of it. You know, the amount of like, just to live your life, the amount of stresses that everybody has every day is, is going to tear us apart. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I mean, if, if more people want to learn about the, your, your specific medical field and stuff like that. Do you actually have some social media? Like, is there a, a website? Is there a, uh, um, you know, something that they can check out specifically for your company? And uh, again, I'm trying to, how, how do people get in contact with you? Of course, we uh, Olympic Surgical is the company name, um, Surgical Distribution Group, and then focus on- You said Olympic Surgical? Olympic Surgical. I kind of got this Greek thing. Going. Olympic. I got a son named Aries. I've got a son named Apollo. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I, I see, I see, I see a theme right there. The, the, the methodic Greek, uh, you know, mythology is, is, is running uh, really strong with you right now. It's a, it's, they tell some really good stories, but uh, you can check out Olympic Surgical on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and then we'll be slowly building out a couple of new social media channels that, you know, we'll feed off each other, but either Instagram or LinkedIn, both under Olympic Surgical, um, we're getting further and further into metal medical education and really just the new event and innovative stuff. So, you know, again, trying to get away from the medical machine of crappy therapies and old you know, surgical things that are antiquated and they're not doing patients very well. So talking more about, you know, spine when we're talking artificial discs mm -hmm. or certain sorts of new injectables or new material implants for hips, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, again, we'll, 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 the right part is, all three of us here are, we're not people that are on the sidelines. We have all different people. You've had your own 
uh, back surgeries and stuff like that. Don's had different types of things that that's been done to him. I I mean I've had knee uh, cartilage removed and stuff like that uh, before. Uh, other than that, this will be my first really surgery I've ever had. Other than having my tonsil taken out as a you know a, a child, that was about it. So the more you can stay away, the better. Yes, stay healthy. Again, I that's the whole aspect. Try to live a healthy lifestyle. Try to. Try to exercise, try to eat right. I guess that really is what it boils down to is try to do those two things. The only thing you don't control is the history of the health that was passed down to you because whatever mom and dad have, they pass on to you. So, well, I feel like it almost becomes a little bit of like, what do they say it in fish with like mercury, like bioaccumulation, like the more. You know, it becomes the snowball effect of, you know, parents that start to not take care of themselves well, they end up passing that on to their next, you know, their next of kin, and it just starts to like build it up. And until we start taking an active approach and trying to just, I guess you just say, clear the crap out of our systems and mm. try to, you know, redistribute our DNA in the right, in the right ways, we're still, we're going to get worse and worse to see those, you know, those memes today of, you know, Look at what a gym class looked like in the seventies or sixties, yeah. and look what a gym class looks like now. Which all the kids are at home. Is yeah, no gym class anymore. Oh, small fat kids with the clothes still on. You know, <laughs> no, no way, well, no way dresses out for gym anymore. Yeah, well, that that's that's a bad bad part. Right? Well, Don just hit the nail on the head that if you go to a high school gym class or a junior high gym class, twenty five to thirty percent of the class doesn't even dress out, doesn't even participate. How do they get a passing grade? mental health you know right. so it, it's uh you know and even yeah it, even i remember it, again the health class i had I, did the guy did the did the, the instructor or teacher teach you really teach anything no not really i mean there was you had arnold schwarzenegger promoting the presidential physical fitness award when's the last time you heard about that when Arnold was around, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of Arnold. I, I wrote a, an MBA dissertation on just his life's work. And I, I loved it when he's governor. I kind of feel nice that he signed my uh, signed my undergraduate degree, not personally, but he was governor at the time. So, yeah, no, again, but that that's where it, you know he. he I always tell people bodybuilders are some of the most unhealthy people. I'm not just saying that to slam the industry because it they they go on such a hard uh calorie limited type of a diet but let's face it all those muscles didn't come from just bumping iron now did they well and that's the that's the interesting new wave i mean now everybody's talking about peptides peptides is the new mm. the new catchphrase it was stem cells now it seems to be moving into peptides what are peptides anyways you know it's a, it's a liquid typically injected form you know i guess you can take orally but it is shortened length protein. A peptide just means a chain of a protein. Okay. So the thought is that they're identifying smaller molecules than proteins to be able to redistribute within the body. So some of the more popular ones are like BPC-157. Um, there's one for neurogenic repair called cerebrolysin. And I think, I think it is getting adoption a little bit too quickly because it's a really complicated subject. It's mm -hmm. got a surgeon that sent me his cheat sheet and it looked like you might be doing you wanted to do the whole spectrum you might be doing 20 or 30 injections a day and i was like oh. this sounds a little bit confusing oh. so it'd be nice when there when there comes like an edu 
a more educational platform on how to use peptides in the right way. Right. And people right now are just doing it really willy nilly because, you know, especially if you're talking about athletes, you know, TRT was a lot of times the big, you know, full. testosterone cypionate through a 21 22 gauge needle on yourself but peptide, you take it subcutaneously or in the muscle or intramuscular wow. trt so i mean and 23 gauge wow. uh well i remember so i we were talking about when i was heavy and divorced like i identified or when i got divorced identified my testosterone was ex extremely low yeah. so i cycled for about three years and it was it was daunting that weekly time period when you got to sit on the toilet and you always see in the movies like reaching around and, and yeah. your ass, like <laughs> i i can't reach like that so uh -uh. you know i'd have to sit on the toilet and put it into my quad and that's a big needle and half the time you're giving yourself a hematoma and your leg blows yeah, up right and it, it's a pain but now with peptides you can do it through a diabetic needle so you just do a little shot in your belly and doesn't hurt nearly as much so i think there's a big so they're looking at you know maybe supplementing and a lot of these bodybuilders say hey, we don't need to take you know, your deca your windstrom trend that's just tearing you apart and these peptides are going to be more of a solution so we got a lot of research to do uh -huh. i mean yeah, no, I, i'm the same way i'm the same way don is i don't i just don't like needles i, I could say i, I could have never been a drug drug user or stuff like that because yeah. needles it's kind of like going just just go into the dentist alone and you see that long needle <laughs> and they're trying to you know hit, hit to, to numb you up i'm like doc if you if you slip that thing's going out the back of my head <laughs> it's so it's so long now you're it. <laughs> well i guess that is i guess if i was to you know have a have a takeaway from our talk today as far as a little bit of educational piece when uh when it comes to regenerative medicine there's one there's two umbrellas that i don't think have been really truly identified or really explored and a lot of patients don't know what they're paying for they're getting if if i could provide any insight is the difference between an autologous regenerative medicine which means it comes from your body uh, and you were mentioning earlier, you know, drawing blood, spinning it down, you know, putting it some other places. That's what's being, it's called PRP, platelet rich plasma. Right. And that's what is when you look at, I'm guessing here, 90% of people's websites in anyone mark you Google search regenerative medicine in Scottsdale, regenerative medicine in Denver, Colorado. Any of those practitioners that you're seeing are doing, or nine times out of 10, just doing PRP. Mm -hmm. it's very simple it's been very widely adopted in orthopedics for a long time it was used it's still used in surgery um they actually don't it came from surgery of using bone marrow but the problem is is if you're trying to pull bone marrow and hyper concentrate those cells the patient's got to be asleep under anesthesia because you can't get a trocar into your hip <laughs> and get that drawn out unless you're down or you know bottle or two of whiskey in maybe right i think going to the bone yeah anytime you going into the bone there's some, there's some that's that don't feel good and you got to go deep too you got to go six inches into the hip right so it, you have to be asleep um and they would do that in the operating theater where they'd take that bone marrow out of your hip they'd spin it down the back and they'd put it other places for other applications and it's taking your hyper concentrated cells but you know, people wanted relief in the outpatient setting into your doctor. Yeah, yeah. So this was seen as a next best option. Let's draw it out of your arm, spin it down, 
you know, depending on however many times their protocol, and we could do it into your joint, we could do it into soft tissue, we could do it other places. So you've got regenerative medicine from your body, it's going to be usually bone marrow, um, PRP, or sometimes if you're going to a plastic surgeon, you might hear of adipose derived. So they're taking it from your fat. Usually just plastic surgeons do that because they're, they're already doing a liposuction on you. They got mm. a bunch of your fat laying around. They could spin it down. Um, and then a hard step into allogeneic stem cells. This is why people are going to R3, to CPI and T1 and to Nick or uh, Neil Rorden's place, Bioaccelerator in numerous parts of Central America is to get access to allogeneic sources. And I think Mel Gibson and his story of his dad was really the one that took that off. And I don't know for certain, but I think that they were being administered uh, for a much higher cost embryonic stem cells, right. which come from a aborted fetal source. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty highly contested. It's not legal within the United mm-hmm. States because we're highly controlled on what we do with our fetal matter. Um, and also abortion is a big you know, topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but in other countries, and that's why they're, none of them have really come to the U S is they don't have those rules. Right. Problem is, is that embryonic has tremendous, it probably is at the highest tier level of healing potential. It's, but the problem is it's hard to get fetuses. It's hard to cleanse them. It's yeah. We were talking about that earlier. (laughs) We can, we can kill the baby. We just throw it away. You can't re you can't utilize it. You know, only throw it in the garbage. That's right. That's right. Because, you know, we run a recycled plastic, you know, plastic bottle, but we don't want to recycle the tissues from, from the healthy babies. You know? Yeah. Why, why do something like that? Let's just toss it. It's, it sucks how much of, you know, viable things within the, our medical system are thrown away. But I remember when I was in the third grade, and goofy. no way yeah I you see. can't remember that far back come on yeah it's the first time i saw photos of um aborted babies you know in in trash bags i mean yeah you know i i mean hundreds of them yeah you know i was in the third grade and it's smoking like canadian cigarettes or something like yeah that. i guess so but it, you know it had a profound effect on me but you know they were talking about uh these fucking kids up there at the U of A were having fits about seeing that on their way to school or, you know, on the way uh, going from class to class. I'm traumatized. I'm trying. I need therapy, you know? Like, fuck, I saw that when I was in the third fucking grade and I handled it. And you're in fucking college and you can't handle a photo like that? What the fuck are we in for? Yeah, I gotta say, right, Don, the times have changed in so many different ways. What what was uh, allowed in school system? I mean, okay, what happened to the Pledge of Allegiance? Right. I, I was in, you know, I, I, I was replaced, in school. You got replaced by, uh, let's take your dick and put it on her and take, you know, and take her parts, tits and put it on you, you know? That's that's what we're doing now. Yeah. I no, it's, had uh, the unfortunate, unfortunate pleasure during COVID, um, you know, when you're running a surgical business, uh, you, you, you make money when surgery, surgical implants go into people, mm-hmm. so you make your money, unfortunately. And when there's no elective surgeries going on, uh, it's kind of hard and you got to survive. So yeah. I started to work with more trauma and calf surgeries. And one of them in Las Vegas, there's a, a guy at one of the major medical centers there that is priding himself on being the only transgender reconstructive surgeon in Nevada and trying to be the number one in the United States. 
um, thought it was funny because again, I go into the operating room. Uh, I was representing a, a, a dermal reconstructive graft for burn patients at the time. So there's a lot of people getting burned during COVID. And uh, he thought it was funny to trick me into saying that he needed my company's resources and tissue in his transgender reconstruction cases. And I'm trying to think, I was like, I don't understand any purpose on why you'd be needing that. I mean, a professional individual, I'll show up, I'll try to support the patient, the surgeon as much as I can. He thought it was funny to bring me in and have me watch those procedures taking place. And it was, I, I will never forget it. Yeah, yeah. And like, like you say, and as brutal as it is, it's, it's a, it's a surgical knife going right to your dick and it's coming right off. It's just a lot of cutting, folding and splicing. Wow. It is rough to watch. <laughs> Dan, I can set you up for uh, maybe a view in, maybe a zoom call into the OR. Well, I might be for the first, uh, maybe it would be a, uh, what do you call that? When you have that, those really exclusive type clubs, we'd have to do the, the, that, that, the swipe swapping clubs. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I I knew I was asking the wrong person on that one right there. Yeah, yeah. You've got lifestyle written all over you. It's mostly yeah. the mustache, i.e., flavor saver. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, let's. I I I don't need to have to abandon ship, but I do have to abandon ship here right now. I've got. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to get on the road here in the next uh, short period of time. Uh, starting to make my way back miles. towards Arizona, which again, 1,850 miles. I have a few uh, uh, kiddos and some grandkiddos I need to go see here real quick before we, we do that. But uh, Doug Wheeler, I mean, I really enjoyed you know, having this conversation, and but just simply just to, to learn more about what actually goes on in, in a lot of these surgical type of rooms. And there has to be a company or someone that goes there and, and to simply know that each doctor or each surgical procedure has certain basic requirements and you represent a company that, that supplies these different types of packets, knowing that this is what all the tools, they may not use every tool, but these are all most of the basic tools that they will utilize uh, for uh, hips, knees, uh, arms, shoulders, and uh, you know, the list goes on of all the things right. that uh, they may be doing with that. But uh uh, I'll let you, you know, please throw out uh, your social medias, contact information. If if, uh, if there's any other doctors that might be watching, it's like, I need to get that company on board with us. Yes. Uh, I was going to make a little joke there on this, like the, the amazing. Please, please do. To patients while you're asleep. All the wonder of everything that's going on in the background. But uh, can't thank you enough for having me, Dan. Again, it was the first chance I had to meet you at Olympia and having you tap me on the shoulder and I just freaked out the beast. <laughs> but uh, again, thanks for having me. Doug Wheeler, Olympic surgical on LinkedIn, on Instagram um, questions, concerns. Uh, you know, you can always shoot us a DM on there. If you're going through, you know, something challenging from a medical perspective, you need a referral um, some 10,000 foot advice. Uh, we have, uh, MDs on file for peer to peer calls. I always have to include the fact that I'm not a doctor. So everything that I've said is anecdotal. I didn't go to medical school, but I'm very happy to be where I am. Well, I, I thought that you, you should have went with that line. I'm not a doctor, but I stayed at what was, what was the hotel chain line, but I stayed uh, at Crown Plaza. Yeah. I don't know. There's always a hotel line that they said, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I stayed at there, whatever the hotel chain was. 
as that goes, well, that automatically qualified you to become a doctor. Yes. I'm not a doctor, but I did work for Four Seasons Hotels before. So. Oh, see, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Slip it in there. <laughs> Doug Wheeler, it's been a pleasure. Mr. Fry, it's been another one of those times. You know, yeah, it's been my real. Pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure seeing you again, too, Severin. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll sign off. You guys just keep right on a goal. Just here. count the seconds till you're in Arizona. Holy yes, shit. you can. All right. I'll see you guys. Bye-bye, bye, sir. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.